Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, Dr. Fiona Lovely here. This is Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast, Making Hormones Make Sense. I hope everyone's great this week. I just want to thank everyone for the great messages and emails I've received um, and also want to welcome our new subscribers. I thought I would take the opportunity today to do another Frequently Asked Questions episode and handle three topics that I seem to be getting a lot of questions about lately. So some of these we have covered covered in other podcasts, but it's uh, the kind of thing where you, you can't hear it too much. So uh, let's uh, dive in. So three things I'm going to talk about today. Number one is alternative breast uh, testing or, or just breast exams. I'm going to define the phases of perimenopause again and finally finish up with some weight loss tips. Okay, so um, number one, when it comes to breast examinations and breast diagnostic testing, first of all, our entire culture uh, thanks to really good marketing on behalf of uh, the folks that make the chemotherapy drugs, etc., and the folks that make the screening, um, the mammograms, mammogram machines, we sort of have this uh, thought that in order to have healthy breasts, um, we just have to have a, a mammogram once a year after the age of 40. And that's what we think breast health is. And I'm sorry, but that's just sad. So... Um, let me give you some help with that a little bit. So number one, that whole monthly breast exam thing, I get that it's important to know the contour and the landscape of your breast tissue. Uh, that's going to be your best defense uh, on finding something that is abnormal. Um, I just think the whole idea that we go about touching like, oh God, is that a lump? Oh my God, what's that? That's different. Look, our breast tissue changes with our cycle. So sometimes you'll have more lumpy breasts. Sometimes they'll be smoother. Sometimes they'll feel more fibrous. Depending on what your insulin and blood sugar are doing, you can actually have um, uh, ridges um, that indicate insulin resistance is happening. So all of those things can be like super scary if you don't know what you're doing. So first of all, when you do your monthly breast exam, it's really important that you pick the same time of, uh, actually forget it. Let's not even do a monthly. Let's do a daily breast massage. What do you think of that? I think that's a great idea. So, um, I would say get yourself some great, uh, massage oil. I like, um, uh, coconut oil. I will put essential oils in there for myself. I like clary sage and ylang ylang, just a drop of each. And um, just do, um, do what feels good, okay? So I'm not going to tell you to go up and down or round in a circle or just make sure you get your uh, fingers into your armpit. That's part of the breast tissue as well. And underneath the armpit and all around into the center of your chest. Listen, get to know your girls. No big deal. You own them. You got them. You might as well know them. So 
always take a moment before you start to come into a loving mind space and say, uh, my favorite thing to say is, girls, you're safe with me. (laughs) In fact, I heard of a woman many years ago who would do that every morning. She would hug her breasts and say, girls, you're safe with me. You want to know more about that story or more things that you can do um, to assure breast breast health, there is a podcast uh, on this whole uh, alone on this topic. So let's talk about mammograms versus alternatives. So, you know, a mammogram is radiation into tissue that's very sensitive to radiation. Not to mention somebody flattens your breast tissue between two bits of glass. Like, yuck. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If that was the only way that you could test for testicular cancer, you can bet damn well there'd be new technology fast. So I say your best defense, again, is your daily or a couple of times a week breast massage anyways, uh, or a thermogram. So a thermogram is a heat sensing photography, okay? And there's a there's a procedure to it. And what a thermogram will show is not just the contour of your body, because you can use it for other parts of your body. It's really good for thyroid, turns out. Um, but it looks at heat differentials in the breast tissue. And areas of the breast tissue that are really warm are indicators of high metabolic activity. And when that happens, it's the kind of thing you go, hmm, I really need to investigate that and that's when you go have a mammogram so rather than having radiation put into your breast tissue every year choose a thermogram instead thermography breast thermography google it for your area Um, that would be your precursor to uh, if something shows up heaven forbid that's when you go have the mammogram remember too that breasts represent nurturance and connection and I want to remind you that your first connection to, should be to yourself. Nurture yourself, do good self-care, connect with other people, especially other women. And that's just really good stuff for your breast tissue. Okay, so I had a question about uh, defining perimenopause again. And uh, it's always good idea to, to touch base with this so that you know where, when I say the words perimenopause, where it is I'm, I'm talking about. So um, typically, five to nine years on average is the phase we call perimenopause. Now, some say four to seven, some say six to 10. It just depends on uh, where, where you define the start of it. Um, So typically starts 35 to 45 and ends 45 to 55, okay? That's on the long end. So if you're going to take a long time with it, it'll take you 10 years, but you may be one of these women that's through it in five, all right? Um, There's five phases. The first two phases, A and B, are really quite quiet, And in that time, a woman is, her thyroid function is changing, her adrenal function is changing, and what can happen is you can find that the quality of your sleep is changing considerably. You may have troubles either getting to sleep or you wake in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep. Um, That's fairly common in that sort of 35 to 45, depending on when you start. Also, if thyroid's going to act up, this is when it'll start to act up. So, 
you can get the fatigue, you can get the restlessness, you get the shorter cycles happening. They can also become heavier and headaches are happening at this time too. Now, I think it bears mentioning that during this time for a woman, and this is where I am in in my own perimenopause at the moment, um, there's a certain restlessness that comes with this phase. And the best way I can figure this is happening is really about now we're coming to the end of our fertile period in our life. So there needs to be a mourning of that, certainly, uh, the end of your childbearing years. But here's how we need to look at the second act of our lives, which is after we stop uh, cycling, uh, having a menstrual cycle. And in that second act, it gets to be about us and not about the people that we have cared for um, prior to this. Because I heard it said once that the first 40 years of your life, you're building legitimacy. And the second 40 years, you're building legacy. Now, I like that a lot. And it's true that pursuit of legitimacy can be soul crushing and personality altering and a number of other things. Um, The truth is for women, it's a real time to say, okay, what have I done previously in my life? What is working? What do I want to leave behind? What do I want to yet explore? And I think that restlessness is a real calling to the mat by Mother Nature saying, all right, sister, you got this. I I support you. How will you evolve from this point forward? Now, this is tough because uh, we are dealing with relationships and we're dealing with other people's notions of who and what we are to them. And those can be sticky places to, to change. It's possible. Indeed, I dare say it's necessary for a healthy second act. So communication is key with your spouse and your children and the people that you work for and with um, during this time. Okay, phase C, now you're starting to skip periods, okay? Um, You may go a few months without having a period at all, and then what will happen is you'll start to get symptoms, and they'll just come on stronger, 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 more and more hot flashes, more and more restlessness, more and more depression, anxiety, moodiness, and all of a sudden you'll bleed. And that's sort of the the way that uh, you'll know that your bleeds are coming. So just when you think you can't carry a tampon in your bag anymore, <laughs> you got to carry one. And keep in mind, Mother Nature, sense of humor, you can still get pregnant during this time. So you still have to um, be concerned with birth control. Okay, so phase D is increasing hot flashes, even longer intervals between your menstrual bleeds. Now you're getting the night sweats. Now the depression and restlessness is at an all-time high. You can you have bone loss during this time. You have weight gain, typically nine to twelve pounds, and you can have really heavy flow or flooding uh, bleeds. Okay, like everybody's worst nightmare. <laughs> And the good news is it doesn't last that long, okay? You can pass through it really quite quickly. Um, What comes after that in phase E is 
all of a sudden your hot flashes and night sweats start to improve, uh, you're sleeping better, and the intervals between your periods are getting longer and longer and longer until six, eight, nine months has gone by. And once you've reached the 12 month mark, that's when you can call yourself menopausal. Okay, so uh, finally, I'd like to share some weight loss tips as I've been asked about this uh, lately. And I'm not sure I'm the best authority here, however, because I struggle with this myself. Uh, however, I um, certainly can speak about it from an academic point of view and what I've seen happen and work well in my patients. Um, so, a few things that you need to consider when it comes to why you're gaining weight and why it's not coming off, even though you're trying hard to get rid of it. So, uh, this I realize this goes against the diet uh, industry, but it's not because you're eating too much, or you don't have any willpower, or you just can't do it yourself, you got to have a coach, these kinds of things. The truth is, if you're stressed, your, your body's going to put weight on as fuel for more stress crisis. I'm pausing here because I want the penny to drop on that one. So first of all, stress feeds the inflammation cycle. So with that comes um, edema and gut issues and thyroid issues, which can both cause uh, weight gain or dysregulation or of, of the uh, digestion and uh, the hormones, which again can cause you to gain weight, but also the blood sugar piece, which I've talked about lots and lots in my podcasts. Um, so when you have dysregulation of the blood sugar system, w- what can happen is that you can store an excess amount of the glucose you're taking in as fuel um, which you're hoping is going to go to the cells to be used immediately, but um, it can become imbalanced and more of it is going to fuel storage, which is fat storage. That's how your body looks at it, okay? Let's just say some of us have more resources than others. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, um, so... um, Looking at the blood sugar piece is a really important part of understanding why it is you may be gaining weight. So first of all, stress. I mean, get real about stress. Think about when you were a youngster and how your time was your own to design with and do whatever you wanted. Think about, feel the peace that that brings you when you think about that time in your life. And really, that's what we should be feeling like every day. And as I often say in this, in this podcast, women are so as accustomed to stress that they don't even realize, or we don't even realize how much stress we are accepting into our lives. But our bodies do. Our minds have just normalized it. Stop the insanity. <laughs> okay, so... Um, you got to take the stress. you got to take a really good look at the stress in your life. If you're trying to lose weight and you have stress in your life, forget it. It's not going to happen or it's going to be temporary or you're fighting an uphill battle that's going to kill you in the end. It ain't worth it. So take a good hard look at stress. 
Um, learn whether or not you could potentially have an autoimmune thyroid or gut issue. Those things can both contribute to weight loss or weight gain without um, reasonable uh, weight loss uh, with the you know standard work that goes with losing weight. So keep in mind this too the diet is the is the key reset button for hormones it's your number one most effective tool for hormonal health so not only does eating a healthy diet give you better hormonal balance but it can cause weight loss which i think is a pretty good side effect you know nobody uh the the paradigm says here's a pill here's a procedure Um, But has anybody taught you how to eat a great diet, exercise, and do some basic self-care stuff? I mean, we just don't teach that. It's crazy. I guess that's what you have me for. Anyways, okay, so here's what I say. Eat food, mostly vegetables. Eliminate your simple carbohydrates. Those are your white foods, okay? Flour, sugar, bread, milk, that kind of stuff. If you could potentially have autoimmunity, that is a problem with your brain, your thyroid, or your gut, or all three, then you should also be eliminating grains and dairy. Now, that still leaves lots of food to eat. It's just not all the sugary, tasty things. So I realize that sucks a little bit, but as somebody who uh, has been on a gluten-free journey for some time, a number of years now, it really, really changes uh, your chemistry, your digestion, your ability to handle stress and sleep and all of those things. Holy cow, my blood sugar uh, issues changed dramatically overnight as soon as I eliminated uh, gluten from my diet. So uh, that can be a future podcast, uh, should you wish. I like what Suzanne Summers says. She says, if you can pick it, pluck it, milk it, or shoot it, eat it. <laughs> You can pick it, pluck it, milk it, or shoot it. Eat it. She also says add dark chocolate to that list. <laughs> Some could say you could pick that. Anyways, so um, the the big thing about weight loss is so many others will tell you it's about reducing your portions, reducing the, the stuff that's not good for you, uh, gaining a more, more of a willpower. And look, oh, we've been trying things that way for so long that I'm just thinking we're missing the big picture. And the big picture is part of us, for some of us, is we put on weight when we're deeply unhappy. We're using food as as the drug of choice. And no judgment. I've done that plenty myself in my life. But really have a look at that and say, okay, is the problem here the fact that I have some extra pounds or is the problem that I'm in a relationship that I have outgrown and no longer serves me? So I think that's what they call a mic drop moment. <laughs> Anyways, so hopefully, uh, excuse me, hopefully there's something helpful there. Also, I want to mention the more sugar you eat, which means alcohol as well, the more estrogen you produce, the more testosterone you produce, the more insulin you produce. Now, insulin can be the key that unlocks sugar into the cell and it's used right away, or it can be the thing that stores the glucose for, uh, 
for as fat for fuel for future health crisis or stress which you're constantly doing so your body's just constantly preparing for that so um, hopefully that's helpful okay i'm gonna finish up with some action steps number one breathe breathe sister breathe (laughs) this is like the number one thing i say to my patients uh in the office is most of us just are not breathing very well and the other thing is we hold our breath when we're focused on something so nice deep breaths in through the nose out through the mouth slowly out through the mouth it should take you twice as long to exhale as it does to inhale okay so you breathe in for three you breathe out for six you breathe in for four you breathe out for eight whatever your rhythm is Set a timer on your phone so that it goes off every hour that you're awake and reminds you to take 10 deep breaths. Your brain will thank you. Drink more water, two to three liters a day, half of your body weight in ounces every day. So for most people, that's between two and three liters. Um, Nothing else counts for water except herbal tea. So be aware of that. Just water. And know you're enough. You are enough and you are doing enough and everything's going to be all right. And I'm so grateful you're here with me today. Until next time, ta-ta. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your healthcare provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.